Alright, let's pray. Father God, may your spirit speak through me today. May my message move our hearts and um, may our minds be sharp to understand as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as some of you know, last night I was up a bit late because I hadn't finished my sermon. So, uh, you know, when you first start writing, you, you, um, you think, oh, am I, am I really going to get enough out of this? And usually in my notes, it's probably a sermon of about seven pages, maybe eight, depending on how I set it up. This one's about ten pages, and I was thinking, oh, how am I going to cut this down? <laughs> and then, just as we were praying... And thank you, musicians. That was a wonderful worship time. Although most of them aren't here. <laughs> a couple of them are. Um, I really felt the Lord say, I don't want you to speak about that. <laughs> I think, oh no, Lord. I don't like being unprepared. But I was considering a few things when I was going to speak to you this morning. And one of them was to talk about Martin Luther King and um, I looked at one of his sermons um, which even after, you know, which was written nearly 60 years ago um, and you know it still really moved me to tears some of it you know that even after all these years and even without him speaking it, just the the words and the the spirit was really speaking through what he said. Unfortunately, I wish I could preach that sermon to you, but I can't really remember most of it. But I'll probably share some of it. But why Martin Luther King? Well, today it's 60 years ago um, that he got up in front of the nation of America and gave his I Have a Dream speech. And although that was at a particular time in history when um, race, well they call it race, but really it's culture issues or people that are different, look different to us issues, um, was at the centre of attention in America mainly because um, of the work that he had done to make America aware of it and his speech, I Have a Dream, is certainly still worth listening to, is listed as one of the most influential speeches probably in the last hundred years. People still remember it today when they think of Martin Luther King, but it also helps us remember what he stood for. And to put it into a bit better perspective, I think we need to go back and understand a little about his life because I, I remember even before I knew much about him, um, I knew he was called the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and I thought, doctor? He must have studied and got a doctorate. And I thought, man, in his day, a, a black man with a doctorate is 
Amazing. And when you listen to him, the way he spoke, he was so articulate. He was obviously extremely intelligent. And it's not the picture that we get of the typical African-American. And he certainly was not a typical African-American. He wasn't a typical man. He was the best of men, with the best of hearts, because his life was completely surrendered to God. And that meant that he gave up a position of privilege. His father was a a preacher as well. He was a senior pastor of, I think, a Baptist church. I can't remember where it was but a fairly well-off church. So his father was a remarkable guy too. And so he, he grew up in a fairly, what do you call, middle-class background. Um, not over-the-top well-off, but, you know, comfortable. And he got to go to university. And he studied to the doctorate level. So in his day, less than 3% of the black population got a full education, let alone go to a doctorate. So that was certainly one of the issues that he um, fought against in his days, which was, you know, they had, you know, Abraham Lincoln theoretically stopped slavery, but, you know, Black kids and white kids couldn't go to the same school. And uh, eventually, it wasn't until it was in the 50s or into the 60s that there was a judgment in America which said, no, that's illegal what you're doing. You You can't stop certain people coming to your school or into your school. Um, into public places and things like that just because they've got a different skin colour than you. So, Martin Luther King gave up that. He could have followed in his father's footsteps and had a church and a comfortable life, but he saw things that God showed him, which was the injustices in the world around him, and uh, particularly in a country, like in the 50s and 60s, um, America was a very successful nation. You know, the, the prosperity after World War, War II was, was an incredible upward um, trend in in their wealth, but it certainly wasn't being shared equally, and uh, I forget what the percentage was, but it was something like 40% of African Americans were living below the poverty line in his day. And when he gave the speech that I read, uh, I think it was about 1966, I was about three years, the 1963 was the I'd give a dream speech, but the one that I read was... He went to New York um, to preach um, to a church there um, because 
when he'd visited New York previously there, he'd been stabbed there, uh, which I didn't even know about. Um, and that uh, the pastor of that church took him in and they um, looked after him until his health improved. So when the pastor there asked him to come and preach, he said, you know, I've got to fit that into my schedule, even though I don't really have time. He thought it was important to go. But one of the things that he emphasised and rings true for me is he outlined what he believed was his ministry. And I've already spoken about it a few times in our church, but we're going to listen to it again. The scripture that he quoted was, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now, it's certainly a tragedy in his time that many of the particularly African Americans, were physically, even though they were set free from slavery, they were still physically poor, still imprisoned by a society that segregated them, still didn't let them see the things that white people could see, like a good education. They were oppressed. Many of them lived in terrible conditions, didn't have enough food or clothes or, and particularly um, when America was spending so much on the Vietnam War poverty increased substantially even though America was a much richer nation because they decided to go and fight another war and, um, and that was one of the things towards the end of his life and he was criticised a lot for it Martin Luther said that's not a war we should be fighting and history has proved incorrect but if we think about some of these statements so this is what Jesus proclaimed and said his ministry is all about and Martin Luther King said, well, if it's good enough for Jesus, well, I think it should be good enough for each and every one of us. It needs to be where our focus is. It's not... And, you know, when I'm... In my studies uh, with Revival College, the CRC Bible College, uh, one of the things we've got to do is have a look at um, the history of the Pentecostal movement in Australia. And so that's this, one of the subjects, well, the only subject I'm doing this, <laughs> this semester. Um, but one of the things that's noteworthy in the early part of the movement is their heart for the poor. And one of the, it was interesting... Martin Luther King, I didn't know, he went to a trip to India and at the time the population of India was 400 and something million and of course we know 60 years later it's virtually almost doubled. Well, it probably has. And he was saying most people there in their lifetime had never seen a doctor, never seen a dentist 
things that we take for granted. But those sorts of things that we take for granted are becoming even more difficult in this country. You know, I remember when I was young, you didn't have to pay to go for the doctor. But some of the some of these services are becoming out of reach, particularly since inflation in COVID has put extreme pressure, you know, like in some of the areas where rent has tripled in, in a few years. Not because the uh, landlord has a, has a high mortgage, it's just because he can. If you don't like it, get out, I'll get someone else that'll pay it. There's no love or care for the poor there. So why does Jesus say specifically to proclaim good news to the poor? I was actually talking to um, Alex last night uh, about this because I think you know the Pentecostal movement particularly in our mega churches is not full of poor people it's full of middle class people and I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't care about them but he specifically tells us to have a focus for the poor, why? because everyone forgets about them particularly if we don't see them or we don't go looking and I know um, in my previous job as a, a car salesman, I had to visit a few people sometime. And uh, um, before I worked for a dealership and had my own business, I, I had tried to help some people find a decent, cheap car because they only had a couple of thousand or three thousand or whatever it is. And I got to possibly try and make some money. And some of them I thought, well, no, I think this is. You know, a ministry thing where God wants me to help this person. But, you know, when you've got 30000 to spend or 40000 or whatever it is, you can look at... There's heaps of good cars out there. But, you know, when you're looking at the cheap end of the market, you look at 10 cars and you're lucky that one might be... You think, oh, I think it might be all right, you know. I hope it'll be all right. And you get it checked out. So it takes a lot more time. It takes a lot more effort. A lot of the people in the lower socioeconomic areas have more serious issues, health issues, because they can't afford to look after themselves properly, or um, and not just physical health, mental health. Um, sometimes they want to escape from it all, so it ends up being their life becomes consumed by drugs. They make bad choices because they haven't had a good education or good parents or the other things, so things compound on one on top of another and it's easy like um, for us to go to an Aboriginal settlement and go why don't these people do anything look at the place, there's a pigsty there's rubbish everywhere, blah 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 blah. but if we were brought up in that place would have we been any different if we had parents that had no idea what they were doing and let us do whatever we wanted or whatever it is or we never even knew who dad was would have we been any different? probably not you know sometimes I say Lord it just doesn't seem fair and it doesn't 
Why did I get two wonderful, loving, caring parents when other people... I mean, we watched the film last night, a very confronting film, um, The Sound of Freedom, and it just moves you to... You you see these kids that are being kidnapped and tricked and, you know, the the poor and the downtrodden are being taken advantage of them. Even the the precious little things they have, their children are being stolen from them to provide to sex traffickers and uh, pedophiles in rich pedophiles in other countries and particularly in America and that guy's fight because he chose to care It's so easy to to not care if if you if most of the time we don't want to go looking because really I don't think in our own country we would have to look too far to find people that need help. But more than physical help. Really, this country is becoming a spiritual wasteland. The thing that can help people the most is our God, Jesus. If they don't know Jesus, what hope for them? What hope is there for them? Even if you are going hungry, even if you are cold, if you know Jesus, at least you have some comfort. At least you know you have some hope. At least you know you have hope for a future. And hopefully you'll be cared for by people, other people that say they love Jesus. In the early church, we see people that had more than enough selling properties that they didn't need because in those days they didn't have social security. They didn't have anyone else to help them if you're a widow. You know, there wasn't jobs, many jobs for women. You relied on your husband. So if your husband died and you didn't have any other family members, what, what could you do? And I know... Um, when I was in a previous church and some of the people went over to the Philippines and they were speaking to some of the the ladies on the street there and they said, you know, they were talking to one lady who had two young children who was a prostitute and she said, I had to do this otherwise I couldn't feed my children. And... um, the lady from our church said if, if I, when I found out about her situation and her, her life she said I couldn't see any other way myself unless there's someone that's prompted by the Lord to help them and in his day the Martin Luther King was someone that God used 
to shine a light in a time of darkness. And he's calling us to shine a light in times of darkness as well. And the movie we saw last night, although very distressing, you know, they believe in what they were doing because they're shining a light onto a, a modern day slavery problem that is beyond a scale that I ever knew about. And has in, um, the film was made five years ago, and in the film, one of the statistics they got, gave was in the five years, I think, to when the film was made, children in sex trafficking had increased by 5,000%. Children deserve to be protected and cared for and know that they're loved. And it takes brave people that are prepared to stand up and say, I'm going to sacrifice my comfortable future and Martin Luther King knew that his stand would probably cost him his life. He knew that. And in fact, the night before, uh, before he was killed, the sermon that he gave, when I listened to it, you could see that he, I think he knew. He knew it was his time. As the, you know, some of the songs we heard this morning, the Lord is our strength. And let the Spirit rain down and guide me into paths that the Lord has prepared for us. So the Lord's work is still the same. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour when all debts are forgiven. And that's what Jesus did. He's, all our debts are forgiven. We don't. Oh God any debt anymore but our lives are in his hands well that's what I pray that our lives will be in his hands so I know Faye shared when she took the down to our own um, community pantry here in Macclesfield she said there was a lineup. So there's, there's need in our community and I bet it's just not a feed, uh, a food need as well. There's lonely people, there's heartbroken people 
who need the healing touch of God. Um, I'll just share one last. In, in his sermon, Martin Luther King also talked about the rich man and Lazarus. So I know in some versions of the Bible it calls the rich man dives. I don't know where that name came from. <laughs> some versions just say the rich man. But we'll call him dives. So I've heard it said before that, you know, he went to hell because he was a rich man. But Dr. King says, no, it wasn't because he was a rich man. It was because he ignored the poor man at his gate. Because every day he went past and made excuses or just didn't care, whatever the reason was, about the poor man at his gate. So I want us to ask the Lord to open our eyes to see what's around us because when we ask him, he will show us those that need our help, those that need the loving hands of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you open our eyes and see where we can be your voice, your love, your hands, your feet, whatever is needed in this community, Lord and wherever you bring us. Father, let us be guided by your spirit. Let us be open to your leading. Let us be united in under you in the power of your Holy Spirit and rely on your strength, Lord Jesus, we pray in your holy name. Amen.